These are fun, off-the-cuff discussions on movies and streaming series, both new and old. Together, we'll attempt to bridge the gap between Hollywood Industry Insider and the casual viewer. This is Alec. And I'm Ben. And you're listening to the Cinema A to B Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Cinema A to B. Today, we're going to be talking about Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Came out this year, 2023. I know, Ben, you've recently seen it. I've seen it now, I think, leave twice. So let's dive right in. What did you think about it? It is better than it has any right to be. (laughs) But I I say that as the ultimate compliment. You know, you go go into these kinds of movies, I do at least, with really low expectations. And because these the Dungeons and Dragons property has just not had good movies. Like not, not at, at all. all. They've had good actors. I mean, Jeremy Irons was in one for crying out loud, but they, yeah, this is good. This is yeah, good. This- it's, it knows what it is. The tone's right. The script is good. It's witty. I loved I've loved watching this. I, I didn't mm-hmm. see it in the theater. I watched it here at the house, but had a blast. The, the narrative was, was fun. It was heartfelt when it needed to be, it was, it was mostly funny and quippy and yeah, this, this is kind of a yeah. sleeper movie, like a sleeper studio picture from 2023. Yeah, it was. So I'm the same way. I went in with not low expectations, but definitely wasn't going and think this was going to be a masterpiece, which obviously it's not. It's definitely got, got its flaws, but thoroughly enjoyed it with, you know, I'm, play D&D so I know some of the stuff so you know really rooting for this to be good like a lot of fantasy movies read a lot of fantasy books do all that and so they really did this right not in just kind of the storyline you know kind of what you were talking about but also they did a lot of fun nods to people who play D&D who've read the books you know uh, you know especially really like players hand guides or the different races or whatever like little small nuggets again kind of going back to what I've dealt on fan service but it, it, it subtle where if you don't get it, it doesn't doesn't detract. You're not sitting there going, wait, what what is this? What did this happen? You can just roll along. But if you do know, it's just it's fun. It adds an extra layer of like, I see what you did there. Like, again, this this is how you do fan service is this kind of thing. Um, really enjoyed a lot of what they did. I I do enjoy Chris Pro, uh, Pine a lot and was a little somewhat nervous of him when I first saw the, the, the trailer for it, that he was just going to be a little too Chris Piney um, in this. But I mean, he obviously he was very Chris Piney, but it was, he did it well. Like I like that he was a bard. I'd like that. He kind of had that. It gave him a lot more of that ability to be kind of that charmer and his normal self and not kind of play it down too much. So I walked away really, really enjoying this film and really happy. They also, I think they kept the fantasy the right amount. Um, like it wasn't too heavily focused on everything um, or not didn't go too high fantasy because it, it how do I say it? It's not grounded, but it felt as close to grounded as you can be in this kind of film, like if you're in a fantasy world. So um, if they do more, obviously, they, there's there's stuff that they can do. They can build upon. But I like how it, this was felt a little bit more normal fantasy world like definitely not something like the world of warcraft film that was just absolutely like super high fantasy a little too much and i think this this didn't go that route so are we gonna are we gonna play spoiler on this or are we gonna keep it Ooh, um i've got 
let's play spoiler. I mean, come on, you know, like who's going to really watch this without having watched the film? Like, you know, like people who are like, Hey, I don't know what Dungeons and Dragons are. I'm going to listen to it. See if I want to watch the film. Yeah. And unfortunately this didn't do particularly well as far as box office concerns. I guess he'll start off with the cast. You're right. Chris Pine kind of rode that line of what he's known for, which is, Mm. which is his witty self. But then he was given opportunities to be, more emotive and heartfelt. And the story really lends itself to that. I mean, at its core, it's, it's about a father uh, and mm-hmm. his daughter. So the yep. whole film, the, the story super grounded, which I loved. There's a, there's a framework there that's not anything earth shattering, but it, it's, it's real characters, real people, real emotions. And then it's, it all takes place in the D and D world. And this mm-hmm. is, this was, kind of the same formula as something like Andor. It's not done as well as Andor, but, but Andor is really a, a show about people mm-hmm. struggle, the struggle for survival, you know, oppression. This is the same kind of deal. It's about relationships and multiple characters had really good arcs. Um, this, I really liked this justice Smith that plays Simon, mm-hmm. the sorcerer. I really, I really liked yeah. his character and his arc was really good. Um, and the humor is peppered really nicely. This this Regine Page as Zinc, the the Paladin, yeah. is just the 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 comedy built around his stoicism and interplay with with Pine is great. And then tip of the cap to Hugh Grant. Yeah, just per, kind of a perfect casting decision for him. And you don't really get a chance to see him play a bad guy that often. And he's really, he's really good in this and he's really convincing. So, and he's, and he's not really that like, e- like he's evil, but he's not really that he's just selfish and self-focused which and is, just out for himself, which is probably you know, one but, of the more believable bad guys we've ever had in a movie. <laughs> like he, you're right. Yeah. He doesn't have the, the goals of world conquest and ultimately just is more of a pawn than anything else. But yeah. Kind he, of real. He life. wants to live the good life. Yeah, that's like most. He, that's that's it's most of us. He wants to have a little. Wants to rule a city. Yeah. Wants to live the good life. His face up on things and not have to truly work too hard. You know, and that's what drives him. You know, and that's again like he's the he's the bad guy, but obviously he's not evil in so much. You know, in that case, and I like kind of going back to the character stuff. I like kind of it talked about kind of seeing these characters in their lowest moments of what they were driven to to kind of you know. Chris, you know, having to, you know, provide for his family and provide for, you know, those things and kind of his dealing with his own selfishness and greed and that, um, how that kind of built and changed. And Oh yeah. There's some really nice reveals there as far as kind of his responsibility tie into the death of his wife. And Mm -hmm. yeah, the writing's really smartly done in this. It just, I think audience expectations were like mine really low. And so they just opted not to go watch it. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. like who, who would have guessed that the script is really quite good. Mm-hmm. And now the acting is well done. Yeah. And, and funny as I'll get out and the, mm-hmm. I'm going to spoil it. Cause we are going to play spoiler. The funniest moment for me is when they've got to bring those guys back from the dead. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And it was brilliant. It was, and I will probably, I'm not going to go hundred percent spoiler. Cause I'm not going to really, I don't need to describe it any more than that, but those moments in the movie and then the mid, <laughs> the mid credit scene that they set up perfectly with that yeah. 
was fantastic. I, and some of that reminded me there were certain moments, especially in that graveyard. I had serious, like, um, evil dead and mm-hmm. army, of, army darkness of darkness vibes. Yeah. yeah. There, 100%. there's a little bit out in there in a little bit of a nod to Raimi. Yeah. With army and army of darkness. Like it, it's got a little bit of that feel, except it's, it's a very beautiful, pristine image from 2023. Mm-hmm. No, so that scene that, uh, where they talk with the dead guys was supposed to be only like one or two, but then they kind of were playing with it and let like people kind of, act and improv and they're like nope we're gonna do more this whole montage of things and like so they spent a lot more time doing it than they were actually planning on or at least that's what i've read but it was awesome oh yeah it's just i mean it, it's again it's that kind of comic timing that callbacks that kind of like that repetitive comedy that just kind of they they did it just enough to make it super funny and then stopped and they didn't kind of overplay it. like i wasn't like okay can we move on like they hit it just enough where i was like oh i kind of want more but like it was good that I didn't get more because it would have lost its yeah. luster. But oh, it was. And now at first glance, Michelle Rodriguez just looks completely typecast in this movie. And to a certain mm-hmm. extent she is. But fortunately, the again, the writing is good enough. She's got an arc, too. And kind of breaks with convention of typically Michelle Re- Rodriguez just plays like. A really angst filled character and there's really no other dimension to her. That's just kind of yeah. that's. That's kind of what she got relegated to in the Fast and the Furious. That's what she got relegated to in Avatar. And at first you think that's what she's going to be held to in this, but the character's deeper than that. And that yeah. kind of that shell kind of evaporates real quickly about halfway through the movie. You realize, well, this character's got more going on. But I loved <laughs> I love that cameo. Yes. <laughs> of her husband. So good. And I'm like, how did they get him? Like, yeah. what are the connections here? Like, are, is this, is this a group of friends that I'm not aware of? Like, is, is he friends with the director or, or is like he friends with Pine? Cause it was just came out of left field and I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's fantastic. And it was, yeah, probably just him showing up for a day oh, by working yeah. for scale or some really small amount, just doing a favor. Yeah. I don't know either. Cause I'm trying to rack my brain of like he's been in movies with pine or Rodriguez or like Hugh Grant. And I can't think of a single no. one that he, he was in. No. And maybe, so maybe, you know, they, they went to him they said, here's the script. He's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not available for more than like a day or two, but I'll, I'll do it. But it was great. Yeah. It was great. And maybe he, maybe he's a big D and D fan. Maybe like that's, that's entirely like possible. To be a part of it. You know, I mean, you remember like with, with star Wars, when force awakens, you had so many famous people, like wanting to be it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dan- you know, yeah. Daniel like, Craig is a stormtrooper. Stormtrooper. Yeah. 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 It, so yeah, maybe I'm surprised I didn't see like Henry Cavill or something in it then. Yeah. Well, I think he's, he's got his own kind of issue, not issues, but uh, a little too much news around him. And he's now focusing on his, what, uh, Warhammer yeah. series. And yeah. at the time, the Witcher. And yeah. so he probably was like, no, you can't go with a competing fantasy series right. and be in That's it. Thank you very true. much probably true um i do have to say i really like the way this movie opens like the whole like the way they have him give the backstory to catch you up is they did it so well like i was completely enthralled like i knew what it was i'm like this is all exposition but to put it in that as he's telling a story to get let out was absolutely amazing just was 
done really, really well. And like the fact that he kept stopping to talk, to ask about Jonathan and he was just like, what the heck, where is he? Like, I should just wait. And it just kept building and building and building. And here's, okay. So here's a fan servicey thing that, that you probably don't know. Jonathan. Jonathan. And they're all like, Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, Jonathan is the little, little nerd talk, but Jonathan is in Arakoa. Um, and the Erico are actually famously against imprisonment and confinement and like oh. they're very much. So if, so again, so if you know something about it, you're thinking, oh, he wants the Erico there because he's already going to be on his side and vote for him. But no, that was not his plan whatsoever. No. Like, so it's just kind of like, if you know something, a little like fun fan service to kind of like, bait, but then a bait and switch and to throw it off. And so like, it was just really enjoyable and just the i I love the moment like he goes back like uh, and then the guy's like no no no, you've gone back too far we've been past that we've been past that like it's just it's just these little tidbit fun comedic moments that just push this story along and kind of gave it someone of that not ride but just let it flow and let it move forward but at a good pace but yet allowed for that to build this world to build these characters um but then allow for those moments of them to kind of turn around yeah i just love these movies that know exactly where they sit as far as their tone and seriousness when to be serious when not to what they can get away with and this just operates in its box better than most Mm-hmm. It the the serious moments you buy into and you're like oh man yeah and then and then most of it is is comedic but then the movie never feels like it's trying too hard like it kind of op- it operates within its plot and the comedic moments feel they're well written but they feel pretty natural no this this is a good time I I'll watch it again yeah. for sure yeah I love it because it, it feels a pretty much like a like any type of campaign that you actually play in D&D where you know you play it you try to be serious but then it just usually rolls into jokes i mean like that's of all the games that i've played for tabletop you know role playing games it always delves into something dumb something dumb and then we all laugh about it and make make jokes or we go off like some random tangent or our sorcerer is actually not that great of a sorcerer and he's always rolling ones or failing failing you know saves and we got to save him or he's you know not really actually doing what he's supposed to do except for like that one moment when it actually matters and then it's like why can't you roll that all the time so it it it, it kind of had that feeling like i really felt like okay hey this this actually works you know this feels like i'm kind of watching critical role or watching some actual podcast but just they they're acting it out and Instead of just sitting there. Well, that's great because, and this is perfect because we are both on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to this movie and the, and Dungeons and Dragons, because I've never played D and D all I, what little I would know of D and D would frankly be, probably be mostly from stranger things since mm-hmm. it's a heavily inspired D and D show. And I've, I've kind of looked up that material, but that's the extent of my knowledge. So you've played the game you know the lore, you got all that inside, you got most of this inside stuff. I yeah. didn't, and I still love this movie. So is, it, they nailed it. They nailed it. They, mm-hmm. they, knew, they knew where to plug that stuff in for, for the audience that had the knowledge of the, the game, and then they knew to have a good, fun story for people like me that just aren't well-versed in, in that. So hats off to them for riding that line yeah yeah absolutely so 
while we were talking, I did look up what the box office was for this movie. Okay. It's brutal. Is it brutal? So we're gonna, it's brutal. I was probably trying uh, to so, be too nice. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty brutal. So it, it it's saying it's had a budget of about 150 million total. So I believe it. Yeah. I mean, obviously outside of marketing and, um, you know, it was pretty well marketed. Too. Like, yeah. So it's probably that budget's probably in 250, 300 yeah. really all told with everything in it. So it grossed total worldwide, 208 million. Ouch. And which, which studio? This is Paramount pictures mm. did it. And here's here's the real kicker. In the US, it did less than 100 million. It did like 93 million dollars in the box office. It did, you know, bit better worldwide, which I mean obviously most picture, you know, pictures do better worldwide because there's a one country versus a whole lot more of them, but still, that's those are brutal that numbers. Is a brutal, that's not great. That's a bomb. So That's a bomb, yeah. And like let's look real quick remind myself of the release date. Okay, March 31st. So that's not a bad release date. So like end of March, that's a movie that tested well. Mm -hmm. Based on what I remember, that's a movie that tested well, but they're a little uncertain on it going up against anything real strong. So that's that's not going to get the big July release and that's not going to get quite to um, Memorial Day. Day. Right. But yeah. End of March is still a really good release date. I mean, that's when they released, that's right around when they released 300. Snyder's 300 was, was in March because they knew it tested well. They were pretty confident, but they didn't want to put it up against anything real. So this didn't have like heavy competition. You've got a, a theater going populace as dwindling. You've got a lot of, I mean, I don't know how they record people who have things like AMC stubs or Regal Unlimited or movie pass like does if i go see it or you know obviously i'm not paying for a ticket price i've already paid for my monthly subscription so like is they are they counting that money or like how does that work actually i don't really know anymore but so like that could actually be part of the problem now is that you have you know people who do go to the theaters or and they have access to one of these are probably signing up for this program and then those people who don't are going to go see the big tentpole things and pay for it. And, you know, they went and probably saw Oppenheimer. They saw Barbie. They see the next Marvel film or Star Wars film, you know, when it comes out. But they may not see much else because they're like, oh, I can just sit at home and watch it on my Yeah, and the, the other TV. thing is that, you know, I like Chris Pine, but nobody in this is this huge box office draw as an actor. No. They're, they're not. Chris Pine was at one point, I mean, not a big box, box office draw, but he's definitely, I think he started to pick things that he enjoys doing more so than getting the name record recognition. So, yeah, I mean, he, um, he blew up with, with playing young Kirk and then they tried to relaunch uh, Jack Ryan with him. And unfortunately the script just wasn't good. I don't think it was, no, I don't it think it was a problem with him. I don't, I don't think, I actually don't think he was a bad casting decision to play uh young re rebooted Jack Ryan, but the, those movies have just had script problems for a while now. Yeah. And he was fantastic in, oh my goodness, what was it? With Tom Hardy when they played uh, spies or whatever. Oh yeah. And they, oh they're goodness. like fighting over Reese Witherspoon. Yes. That's a good yes, movie. Over. Yeah. I forget yeah, what that's really called. Trouble. Probably my yeah, favorite movie though that Chris Pine is in though is, is uh, opposite Denzel Washington. We obviously did Hell or, Hell or High Water, which is fantastic. 
Oh, I absolutely. We are going to be talking about Hell or High Water at some point. Yeah, we will. So no, my favorite movie or my favorite, like my favorite movie that Chris finds ends probably Hell or High Water, but up there is Unstoppable. The Tony Scott movie with Denzel where they're on the train. I have never, I've never seen, you've never seen Unstoppable. No. Okay. So. Okay. Here's a conversation. This is like probably the first time this has happened on the podcast of like, (laughs) no, you have, you have to watch Unstoppable 2010. One of Tony Scott's last films, Chris Pine, Denzel Washington, runaway train, freight train coming out of like West Virginia or Pennsylvania or something. And it is tremendous. Okay. Um, it's a big Tarantino's a huge fan of it. It's like, yeah. Okay. So unstoppable. So side tangent, mm-hmm. we're definitely going to do a season of cinema A to B. That is literally, we find out movies that I've seen and love and can't believe you haven't seen it. And then we also see movies like unstoppable where you've seen and you can't believe that I haven't yeah. seen it. And we're like, that's all it's going to be. So it's like someone who's seen it and, you know, can talk, you know, has enjoyed it for a while. And someone who's fresh and get that dynamic. So that's definitely going to happen. Cause I think that's a fun fun thing to do. But anyways, back to Dungeons and Dragons. And I, I gotta say, like, I really felt this movie was paced well. Like they had a lot of, you know, like obviously the exposition in the beginning, then it kind of got, you know, a little bit more exposition even after that, but it kind of moved along, but they kind of went different places. They slowed it down and then we had some action and then you stopped it and had slowed it down again to build some character building. Then you had some action and so on and so forth. It kind of, it just felt really well paced of, I never walked away bored. I never walked away thinking this was way too long. Like I know your typical, like every movie should be about 15 minutes shorter than what it actually is. It doesn't and, apply here. Uh, you know, this, this clock's in at two hours, 15 minutes, I believe. And it's, I mean, I, I didn't think there was a lot of fat to trim, if anything. So I think two is a good runtime personally. I mean, yeah. I look back at a lot of movies that I enjoyed, um, even when I was younger and they were all like two fifteen, two hour 20, something like that. I did want to mention that, um, I was not expecting it. I was expecting a movie that was just shot on like a hundred percent green screen with mm. real cheesy effects and bad backgrounds, you know, yeah. that's not what we got. I, they, nope. they definitely followed the original Lord of the Rings trilogy kind of template of getting some great vistas and actual locations. And I'm looking it up. So they shot on location in Iceland and then the rest of it's just in the, in the UK and a little bit of, of uh, Ireland. And I have to say they found some fantastic locations to, mm-hmm. s- to, so they didn't travel as extensively, you know, they didn't travel to New Zealand, but they had some great stuff in Northern, Northern Ireland and England. And it's, it's a beautiful movie. It's not all on a soundstage. They, they got outside and, and shot ex- some extensive sequences and yeah. And I've, and ever since we talked about it, I've definitely seen it where you can immediately tell kind of that soundstage and the, the real life or the on location with that uneven ground of what that looks like. Like I, like it didn't really occur to me like that was the, what was missing. And now, now I can like pinpoint like, Oh, that's on the soundstage. Like, Oh, nope. That's they, they actually went on location for that. And you're right. It's so difficult to get that like uneven ground feeling on a soundstage. So the only like, movie that I can think of, and we've both seen this film where they shot on a soundstage 
but it was supposed to be outside and it was convincing. And they built that uneven ground into the set was the empire strikes back when they first go to Dagobah. Yeah. Um, because they they almost did it out of necessity because the puppeteer, because Oz had to operate underneath the stage to move Yoda around, Mm. but they did, they built in that unevenness to the ground. It's not perfectly flat and it Mm. felt right. So yeah. And, and I, what, what's the show I first mentioned that on was, uh, it was rings I think of we power talked Mandalorian or Mandalorian, Man- Mandalorian, yeah. Mandalorian. We talked about it. Cause we were talking about the volume rings of power we suffers the same problem though. Yeah. Where they're yeah. shooting on sound stages in it and the ground's just too level. So mm. just little stuff. I hate that. I notice it, that stuff sometimes. Well, and I hate now that you <laughs> forced me to notice it. Gosh, you're welcome. But <laughs> thanks. But, but I do like the paladin in this. Um, I forget his forget his name and who plays him, but the very like stoic, yeah. no emotion. Like it's funny that that brings so much comedic relief where he just plays it so straight. And he's not even there for like he's only there for a little bit. Like joins the party, does a couple things, and then like pieces out. And it's and it's fantastic. <laughs> when he's walking away, and he's like, is he gonna is gonna walk around the rock? Is he gonna walk? Nope, just gonna go right up over it. <laughs> Just tremendous <sighs> comedic, <laughs> just good dialogue. This, Very good is, dialogue. It is. And you know, oh, you know, when I was watching it, that felt like an inspiration for some of the comedy was, uh, is that, that YouTube channel, um, Viva La Dirt League. Yes. Yes. It, yeah. It, it, it has a lot of comedy in common with, with them. Like it mm-hmm. feels there are times it feels like what was that NPC man? There's they're yeah. running yeah. sketch. <laughs> and if if somebody hasn't seen that, by the way, oh, <laughs> they do they do a lot on like armor yeah. and like pay to win things for all like these big yeah. RPGs and MMOs and yeah, stuff. no, it's it's so that it's really kind of good. humor is seems right in line with with what's making me laugh in uh, in D anD. I did really like this film and it's sad that it did. So like, I didn't even know, I knew it didn't do great at the box office, but it's sad that it did so terrible at the box office. Cause it means we're not going to get no, and there's no sequel. Like, it's super unfortunate. Cause that, and there's yeah. so many, it's such a nice property and there's so many different places they could go with it. And I knew, I know that's why they greenlit it. Cause they're like, Oh man, this could be our next big tent pole franchise mm-hmm. for Paramount. And then, and no. Yeah. I hope, hopefully they do something with it. Cause I definitely, who, you know, who's the, who's the director on this and the writers? Like it's definitely, so it's, it's, it's John Francis Daly and then Jonathan Goldstein and they, they wrote they and directed. Wrote and it. then there was a third writer, Michael, uh, yeah. Gilio or Gilio. Oh. Um, oh my goodness. He's the, the, the guy's an actor as well. Oh, he, uh, J- John Francis Daly also helped write uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, so this is why the writing's so good. Right? Yeah. Because and I should have looked this up before we started. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, he wrote He wrote Spider-Man Homecoming, he wrote Horrible Bosses. Mm-hmm. And Horrible Bosses 2, which the fir- their first one's funny movie. Yeah. So yeah, this these guys have got a nice background in writing comedy. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't perform. And this just goes to show that just because a movie doesn't do well at the box office doesn't mean it's bad. And I hate yeah, that myth. Right. I hate that myth. Mm-hmm. Well, and 
and honestly speaking, like it's even different, you know, even the farther we go and the more movies that get made and more movies that get produced, a movie has less time in the theater to kind of, you know, build up that momentum to build up that speed. Like if honestly, if it doesn't do well on the, I mean, and this has been for decades, but if it doesn't do well on the box office on the first weekend, it's a failure, you know, but the, you know, movies are in the theaters for a couple weeks, you know, maybe a month, maybe a month and a half at most where like, I remember like sometimes movies would be in for two months because you didn't have as much of a turnaround, you know, and you didn't need four screens to play the newest Marvel film. You could just put Mar uh, whatever on one screen and you'd have everything else. And now it's like, we need to have 70 different showings of the 10 pole movies. Did you look at who John Francis Daly is? I did not No. So he's, you'll recognize him immediately. Yeah. He's oh, in I Freaks did, and yeah, Geeks. From, yeah. He was, he's totally an actor turned. Turned writer. Yeah. Turned writer, director. I had no director. idea what he was doing. That's tremendous. So he's totally made the uh, transition. I recognized him immediately when I pulled him up. I was like, wait. <laughs> yeah. So hats Let's off to him. That. He's, he's totally made the jump. Um, cause one, one flop like this isn't going to, he's got, no, he's got a no. bunch of stuff and both these guys have got a bunch of stuff in production and Goldstein's quite a bit older. Yeah. Well, and especially if you help write Spider-Man homecoming that, I mean, that movie yeah. did so well. Now I will say one thing to touch on that I really got from this too, was I felt it felt very kind of Monty Python esque in this, like, like Holy grail. Not obviously definitely not as, as, as crazy or, or as, you know, tongue in cheek as that. But like, I did get that vibe going kind of through it sometimes with some of the jokes, some of what they were talking about, especially with the dead guys like that, that That's feels very, yeah. like very Monty Python trope yes. kind of going on. So that was really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, he, he, he accidentally asked him like three questions, like back to back. To back. <laughs> yeah. And then just, he just falls down. Yeah. He's like, wait, what was that a question? What? <laughs> how many questions are we at? Four. Can you not answer my questions? No. Yep. Or, or however it goes. Yeah. Like I, I really butchered he that. Totally, but still, it, oh, he totally burns the first, just totally wastes the first corpse. Like just, just like well thought out stuff. You could tell this was a labor of love that they put some effort into it. So yeah, which again, that makes me sad that it didn't perform, but I'm we've, it's out now. It's totally available to watch it. Do it. I mean, even critics seem to really enjoy it as well. I mean, it's got, I think if I remember correctly, it's got pretty good. Just didn't translate. Could I'm sure it's no. done. I'm sure it's done fine on the streaming. Mm -hmm. Um, now will it make, will it make that budget back? Probably not. It, they're still going to be yeah. in the red paramount will yeah. from it, but it's a heck of a lot better than that. <laughs> what was that ridiculous, like fantasy comedy with, with James Franco and, Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> and it has its moments, but like, no, it does not. <laughs> I mean, it, it's terrible. It is. It was terrible. There's oh, some gotta, stuff I, that makes me laugh, like in that movie. I gotta look at that up now. I, what, which one is that? I can't even. Oh, Your Highness. <sighs> yeah, and he did it with um, Danny McBride. Danny McBride. It has its moments, but yeah. it is not good. It's a terrible. It's trash movie. Yeah, yeah. It is. It's not. Yeah, this was that one. I, this was quite a bit better than Your Your Highness. <laughs> 
Well, and I, and I think it, it boils down to that we've talked multiple times uh, about things is that it is a story that can go multiple places that it, it, it's not a Dungeons and Dragons story. It is not a fantasy story. It is a story like the base points of it is a story you can put out and put it almost any era. You know, it is a group of people who are looking to redeem themselves. They have fallen from grace, a father, you know you know, businessmen, those kind of stuff, you know, people who've lost their spouses and kind of building back from that. And like how low kind of, you know, a little bit of lame is a rob, like how, if when you're poor or when you are struggling, how far will you go? Like what, what is that point? Mm -hmm. So you can pull that out. I mean, granted you, you have the trappings of fantasy, but those are not what make the movie. So. Um, Well, we, um, uh, we're well past our like, half hour <laughs> We've gone on D and D honor among thieves, but yeah, good film. Like I said, better than far exceeded expectations, better than it has any right to be. Um, definitely recommend it. If, if you haven't seen it and we just spoiled it and you feel motivated to still watch it and do it, yeah. but watch it again. Yeah. I mean, obviously for someone who, you know, knows some of the stuff has read some of the forgotten realms and Dragonlance books and has enjoyed them. I really liked it. Got to pick up some things. Ben having done none of that also really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. which is great. Well, we appreciate you uh, tuning in to cinema a to B. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you enjoy the conversation, uh, join in the conversation with a comment and hit the subscribe and the bell. And we thank all of our listeners from all over the globe on the audio-only podcast. Appreciate you. And mm-hmm. we will uh, look forward to bringing you a new episode every Monday. Uh, Monday morning, they drop on the uh, podcast and then uh, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time for the YouTube. And uh, yeah, the that tubes. wraps it up. Until next time. Thanks, everybody.